This is episode 51 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thanks for being here for this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. It's the first episode of 2019, and I'm really excited to bring you the conversations in the following segments. I hope they bring a lot of encouragement. We are talking about freedom and motherhood. That is the series topic for this month on kindredmom.com, and there will be a whole bunch of essays that we'll be sharing over on the blog. I hope you can hop over there and check them out. I wrote one that went up last week that was called Embracing Your Motherhood Season, And it's one that I have personally found encouragement in, even though I wrote it. I hope you find it's encouraging as well. There's a bunch more to come, so make sure you have a chance to stop in on the blog and check them out sometime this month. In the first segment, I have with me Lindsay Cornette, who you may recognize if you've been listening to our show for a while. She's one of our Kindred Mom team members, and she and I are talking about freedom in motherhood and really the choices available to us in the role that we have in our homes. And I hope that you love what she has to say. I love Lindsay, and we had such a great conversation. On segment two, there is Brittany Bergman, who is a mama of one daughter and a little boy who's coming in April. And we had a great conversation, a little bit more about productivity and kind of the expectations we have of ourselves. It's a really great conversation as well and I hope it brings a smile to your face and makes you feel a little bit more prepared as you step into a brand new year. Thanks for listening. Let's jump in. I'm really glad to be back here for a new episode of the Kindred Mom podcast and a brand new year launching into some new topics for our community. And this episode, we're going to be talking about freedom and motherhood and the series that we're introducing over on the blog. And joining me, I have Lindsay Cornette. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yes, I'm glad to have you and just am eager to step into this conversation because I think the beginning of a new year is always an exciting and also a little bit of a tricky time, I think, for moms especially. Um, I'm thinking a lot of moms who want to set goals, but maybe don't feel like they can because of all the circumstances in their lives that draw them away from being able to pursue something with focus and determination. And um, so I'm just kind of here this year, like excited, like I always am to think about what the next 12 months could hold, but also just really aware that this is probably not going to be my year of productivity unless we're talking about reproductivity <laughs> since I'm having a baby in a few months. So anyway, I'm just would love for you to jump in with your thoughts about how you approach stepping into this year and what helps you to both have vision for what's coming and also peace with your circumstances. Yeah, I really, really, really love this topic and um, this idea when you brought it to me, I was really excited about it. I am definitely a person who can fall prey to wanting to create this mega long list of resolutions and all the things I want to change and do better about the year ahead. And at some point, I realized that I was just really approaching this new year season in totally the wrong way. I was really beginning the year by thinking about all the things I wasn't doing well and how I could change those things instead of really considering 
Like, what do I hope for in the year ahead? Which is a much better question, I think, to ask at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. than what do I need to do better than last year? Mm-hmm. So I've started for the past several years now choosing a word of the year every year. It started in, I want to say maybe 2012, 2013, something like that. And I really love that process because it helps me to enter the year with a little bit of intentionality and a little bit of thought. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't feel this intense pressure. You know, I don't feel like I'm setting myself up for failure by creating these resolutions that I won't be able to keep. And it also, like you mentioned, as moms, sometimes so much of our time is out of our control and we can't always predict how we will need to spend our energy on any given day mm-hmm. because there are other people who are you know, going to require things of us. And so for me, having a word of the year, it just gives me a place to kind of focus my attention regardless of what the day is going to require. So yeah. that's what I'm doing again this year. My word for 2019 is going to be rhythm mm-hmm. because I just want to kind of think about how I could create some more sustainable rhythms and routines in my life because 2018 was a year where I added a lot of new responsibilities and I was kind of just trying to keep up with my to-do list. (laughs) So this year, I'm just trying to think about how I can approach those things with a little more planning and a little more intention so I'm not just reacting to what comes at me. Yeah, I think that's really good and simple and something practical that we can do to just give some form to maybe what we're thinking or feeling or longing for. And I still am a goals person. Uh, I really have always liked setting goals. Um, But like you kind of mentioned, I think that my goals for a long time were ways that I felt like I needed to improve myself or show myself worthy of some kind of applause or accolades or, you know, advancement. And I just see goals a little bit differently now instead of trying to get somewhere or accomplish something specific. um, I just see goals as a way to help me know what am I supposed to do next with my time. And that changes. So, I mean, I have goals that I set for the year. There's very few of those goals. It'll probably be the same by the end of the year. And I'm okay with Mm -hmm. that because, you know, I evaluate month to month even. Uh, What's funny is is about setting a word for the year. I can't pick just one. (laughs) So (laughs) I actually am not really sharing them publicly, but I have a word kind of assigned to each month of the year to just privately give me something to focus on, meditate on. I write on it just privately in my daily writing practice. And Um, Some of those things will end up in pieces for Kindred Mom or, you know, other places that I write online. But for the most part, it is kind of just my way of saying, yes, I love the word of the year idea, but I'm not ready to commit to just one for the whole year. So (laughs) I really like that idea. It kind of gives you almost like little themes to be thinking about as you go about the year, which, yeah, which I really, really like. I can definitely see. I mean, that's how I've plan kindred mom too. You know, I kind of just think, okay, so this month we'll do this and the next month we'll do that. I have found that monthly rhythms work extremely well for me just because a month is long enough to really dig into something. Or like if I'm trying to 
change a system around our house even, I can spend a whole month like working towards that as opposed to a week doesn't usually give me enough time to see real change. And more than a month just sometimes feels overwhelming. Like I always feel like I can continue for a second month if I want to. But most of the time, like by the time I've gotten through 30 days with something, I am ready to reevaluate and look at, okay, what's going to be important this next 30 days? And I think that rhythm just provides me enough flexibility to feel like I'm really nimble with my decision making and where I'm going to put my energy. So yeah, that's really interesting. I have kind of learned to embrace like quarterly goals and looking at the year in quarters or in like Mm -hmm. 90 day increments, which is actually something that I learned after talking to Patty Scott, who was one of our writers in residence in the fall. She told Mm -hmm. me that she Mm -hmm. does 90 day goals and kind of plans Mm -hmm. her year in 90 day chunks. And that was really helpful for me because unlike you, a month for me seems too short. It's almost like by the time I wrapped my head around what I want to be doing that month, it's gone. And so quarters are really helpful for me. That kind of gives me a little more runway, you know, to to mm-hmm. pick up some momentum. But like you were saying, it also doesn't, you know, overwhelm me to try to be thinking too far in advance. Well, and I love it. Different things can work for different people. Yes, exactly. It's not the time frame, I think, that is as important as figuring out what time frame is going to work with your way of processing the things that you think about and want to accomplish in whatever your span of time is that you've figured out works well. But I just do think that rhythmic check-in, reevaluate feel free to change the plan can be really helpful um, as far as not feeling so frustrated because I don't know about you, but if I make goals at the beginning of the year and I get to the end of the year and it's all hinged, like the value of the whole year hinges on did I do all the things that were on my list in January? (laughs) So much changes in that time. And I just, I've never had a pretty steady year where I could keep the plan how it was when I first planned it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's especially um, true for moms of young kids who change so drastically over the course of a year, even things like mm -hmm. their sleep patterns or anything, how often they nap, all of those things change so frequently and are so far out of our control a lot of the time that I really appreciate your perspective there that if a goal needs to change, or even if you just want it to change, that that doesn't mean that you have failed in some way. It just means that you're responding, you know, to the needs of your kids and the needs of your family and your own needs. And I think that's really important. Well, this is such a good conversation. I kind of want to turn our thoughts and attention to the series that we're starting on Kindred Mom this month, because it is such a special topic talking about freedom and motherhood. And that really is a pretty broad umbrella. I mean, we have several essays that hit on different angles of what it looks like to step into freedom as a mom. And I guess I'm just really looking forward to this. I feel like it's our little rebel, you know, (laughs) rebel rage against the must be like this, must be this kind of mom, must, you know, hit this standard or all the pressure to do everything perfectly well. And I think we all know that it just doesn't go like that, even if you are a really attentive, caring, invested mom, um, that there's just always curveballs. And I love the idea that, you know, freedom in motherhood has so many practical applications. And also, it just, it's personal to me, because I know for a lot of years, I just felt very 
insecure as a mom, felt like, you know, well, I'm not doing it like so-and-so's doing it. And so there must be something wrong with me or why isn't my kid, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where their kid is at. And, you know, there's a lot of themes that we've already explored in the past on Kinder Mom that kind of roll into this this to me is kind of like the open the box and see the prize. Like the whole point of freedom and motherhood is that we can be who we are. We can mother the way that makes sense to us and how we are learning and growing alongside our kids. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's story. And so I'm just curious what you're most excited about for this series. Yeah. For me, when I think about freedom in motherhood, the thing I keep thinking about is that I think this is whatever helps us to uncover the joy in motherhood Mm -hmm. because there's so much, like you were alluding to, that we can allow to steal our joy and our contentment in motherhood, whether it's comparing ourselves to other moms or even to our own internal personal expectations about how things should be going. And for me, you know, I struggle so much with perfectionism. I struggle sometimes with comparing my kids and their development to other kids their age. Um, Mm -hmm. I struggle with putting a lot of my value and my worth in their behavior and how they respond to me. And if I allow that stuff to cloud my perspective, it really steals the joy and the fun out of motherhood. Mm -hmm. So when I think about freedom and motherhood, that's really what I've been thinking a lot about is how do I recapture the joy? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think we have some really exciting and interesting essays coming this month. I love reading other people's perspectives. I know Robin wrote about the freedom to quit, that just because we have done one thing as a mom for a while, we do not need to feel like we have to be married to it for forever, that we have the freedom to quit doing things the way we've always done them, which as I was reading her essay, I was just sort of taking like a deep breath, like, oh, I needed to be reminded of this. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think it's a message that we need, especially at this time of year when we can kind of be hyper-focused on all of the things that we need to change and be doing differently. I think the invitation to freedom is just to kind of take a deep breath, to let some of that pressure roll off our shoulders. And like you were saying, to just really lean into what makes us as individuals the right moms for our kids, you know? Yeah. And I love to just reminding moms that if there's something that is not working for you, There are other ways to go about most things. (laughs) And, you know, I think that when I was a newer mom, one of the things that was really a surprise to me that I just did not understand for the first few years was, you know, motherhood is problem solving. And most of the time when you're solving a problem, you try one thing. And if it doesn't work, then you have to try another thing. And those trial and error kind of things were really frustrating because I just wanted it to work the first time. Or my friend said, if I did this, it would one, two, three, it'd be magically done. And that's just not how it was. And so what I like to pass on is just even if somebody has golden advice to offer you or they have a solution that has worked for them, we still have to discern for ourselves. Does this work for me? Does this work for my family? Does this work for my child and their particular needs? And that there is freedom to disagree with someone. There's freedom to try something and quote unquote fail at it or have it not work. And that trying again is, I mean, that's just what we do. Moms persevere. And I just 
love being able to say that out loud because I just wish somebody had told me when I was a little bit newer in the process because it's just, there was a lot of angst that I had in that. And I don't know, I just think there is so much freedom to tackle the problems that you come across in new ways. And I think that's what's wonderful about sharing our motherhood stories together on our community because I learn from people all the time, just from little tidbits that they share about how they handle one situation or another. And um, I was having a conversation with a couple gals, and we were talking about vomit. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's oh, a little no, bit gross. It's uh, very relevant at today because I had a vomiting <laughs> child this morning, Emily. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yep. that time of year, and, you know, it's just kind of a big, big part of the mom job when you're in the, the illness months. And so I just... This is so dumb. I can't believe I'm talking about it on the podcast, but I just have learned, even though we typically don't use a lot of like paper napkins or paper towels and that kind of stuff, I do keep some in like my cleaning supplies because the only way to deal with vomit is to use paper towels or napkins to deal with the chunks. (laughs) And that always saves from getting chunks in the washer, which then have to be cleaned out again, you know, and... So that's like a funny example, but it is like super practical <laughs> how there's freedom to deal with vomit however you choose. Yeah, and, even if um, it's different than how you would do most other things, right? Throughout your yeah. week. Yeah, I yeah, was so. at my Friday play group this week and uh-huh. we started talking about snacks because one of the moms was saying that her children right now just seem like bottomless pits. They just want snacks all day long. And we all just kind of started talking Mm -hmm. about the challenge that is the constant asking for snacks from all of our kids. But what was fun is just that every single one of us who were there had a very different approach to how we did snacks. Mm -hmm. Like one mom talked about how her son has been kind of tiny and underweight. And so she just lets him eat whatever snacks he wants throughout the day. And Mm -hmm. um, another person, you know, just puts a bin on the bottom shelf of her fridge and her kids are welcome to take whatever they want from the bin. But when it's gone, it's gone. And I have taken more Mm -hmm. of like a scheduled approach. My kids know they may have one snack in between breakfast and lunch and then one (laughs) in between lunch and dinner. Um, I say they know that, but I don't really think they do because they argue with me about it almost every day. But, you know, (laughs) we each were just kind of approaching it as best we could. And every single one of us was doing it differently. And snacks, you know, and vomit cleanup, I guess, are kind of small things. But I think the same lesson applies to the big things in motherhood as well, right? That we each have the freedom to approach it however we need to, however we want to, and then to change it up later Mm -hmm. if it stops working. Yeah. No, and that snack example is funny to me because I have changed my tune throughout the years since I've added children. And I used to be a lot more scheduled or a lot more like this is going to happen at this time or, you know, when I actually had a say in how the days (laughs) unfolded. (laughs) And uh, part of the joy of a large family is there's just so much out of my control. Like, I mean, it it is hurting cats or a goat rodeo, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the little guy, when he's hungry, he finds like pretzel crisps and he comes with a big handful of them to wherever I am. And he's like, here's my snack bomb. And I'm like, oh, where did you get that from? And, (laughs) you know, I I just can't care too much about it, even though I would love for him to not ruin his dinner with the snacks that he just found himself. But at the same time, like on the level of like priority, it's not... 
I mean, it's not my number one goal <laughs> to avoid all snacking until mealtime. So it's just kind of learning what works for you and um, just be confident in those decisions because I just, I mean, I just don't sweat it if he, if he does that. Even if he doesn't really eat very well at dinner, it's one meal out of the whole week and um, it's just not, not the worst thing. Yeah, so. for sure. One of the things that has been helpful for me too, which I think we've touched on a little bit, but it's just this learning to not view motherhood as a pass-fail situation. I think that for so much of my life, and I'm sure this is you know not just me, I think it's pretty universal, before you become a mom, there's so many very clear ways to measure your success, right? Like we go through school and we get grades and maybe somebody hands us a degree at the end of it. And when yeah. we have a you know full-time job in an office somewhere, we have performance evaluations, right? I used to be a teacher, so I had all of these students whose progress I could very easily track on different metrics, you know? And then yeah. motherhood happens, and it just doesn't work that way. There are so few ways to measure whether or not we're succeeding. And I, but I even think that's the wrong outlook to take. I don't think it's something that we can so clearly define as, you know, success or failure. I think it is just progress, right? It's just movement in a certain direction Mm -hmm. into just helping our children become the adults that we want them to be and have the character we want them to have and that sort of thing. And when I learned to stop looking at every day and every moment with my kids as either I have succeeded or I have failed, I was able to find some of that freedom. And that's like a constant process, right? It's not something that I have mastered by any means. It's something I have to remind myself of pretty frequently. But it's definitely something I think of when we're talking about this idea of freedom and motherhood. I have talked with my husband about this before. When I get really discouraged or just feel like I am to the brim with my patients and I'm not feeling like a really great mom, I have just had to be really honest with him just say, I really need some verbal affirmation because I don't get that. You know, like I don't have someone at work saying you did a great job or this needs improvement or any kind of, you know, input. And so I have taken to just asking him for it (laughs) because I'm like, I don't feel like a very good mom. And he has learned since we've talked about this in a really honest way that, you know, the small things that he says to just acknowledge what I've accomplished for the day or something I did well as a mom or, and it's not like a constant all the time thing. It's just like, always feels like it's like at just the right time. He has Mm. something complimentary to say about what I've done. And I just really praise him when he praises (laughs) me because I want him to do it more. (laughs) And, um, Yeah, no, I just say it really means a lot to me when you acknowledge these things because no one else really says them out loud. And, um, you know, I think when we were earlier on in our marriage, I didn't want to have to say that. I didn't want to have to have that conversation. I just Mm -hmm. wanted him to get it. And he just didn't. And I don't think it was his fault. He didn't know what I was needing or looking for. We talk mostly about motherhood at Kendra Mom. It's kind of a mom-to-mom sort of thing. But when we're talking about parenting with a spouse or with a partner, I just think it is good to communicate about what it is that would help us be more confident, help us 
really see the value in it, what it is we're doing every day. And even a friend can do that. I just think it means a lot when a spouse especially acknowledges what we've done because they see it firsthand when they come home. And Yeah, I think that's really wise. I've noticed that Anytime we choose a topic for January, it's something that really sticks with me through the rest of the year as we work on Kindred Mom things, as we do the podcast episodes. And so last year, it was the self-care series, which really did blindside me as far as how important and impactful that would be throughout the year for me. And I've just been thinking about the freebie that we created for our subscribers that month that I kind of wanted to draw attention to again, because I myself am going through it. And kind of just redoing the questionnaire because I think it's really good to just update and see it's a whole new year. It's a whole new season. I have a whole new set of considerations for this year when it comes to self-care. And so I just wanted to remind our listeners about that. It's something that you can get for free from our website when you subscribe to our email list. Um, And it's just a questionnaire that helps lead you through evaluating what self-care looks like in your life right now and some areas where you might be able to make some strategic choices to improve in those areas for your own well-being and it's just such a practical thing that I wanted to make sure we mentioned it in this episode. So I'll leave the link for that in our show notes. Well, I'll just jump on um, that point about the self-care worksheet. I also really, really love that. You guys released that before I was on the Kindred Mom team. And I think that was the first thing I downloaded probably from the resource library. And I really enjoyed it at the time because I had never really given much thought to the idea that I needed to proactively plan my Mm self-care. I feel like I wasn't bad about self-care. Like I do think that I took opportunities to care for myself well and to rest and that sort of thing when needed, but I had not really considered how am I planning this just like I would plan mm-hmm. anything else. Like how much do I value this? Do I think it's worth planning for? And I think that has paid off so much in the years since, because like I was saying earlier, this was a year, 2018 was a year when I really did add a lot to my plate. And I wonder now, like it was such a good thing for me to start the year thinking about that topic. And so I really like what you said. And I think I'm going to pull that back up in my email and revisit that as well. I think that's a really smart smart move. Yeah. It's super practical. And so that's one reason I just didn't want it to be buried in the archives and, um, you know, we'll share it on social media at some point this month as well. But it's, I feel like it's our, our most practical resource. (laughs) And uh, and it's very short to throw that out there too, for people who might have more recently downloaded like our recipe ebook, which was a really big resource. The self-care plan is, I think it's just like two or three pages. It's pretty, pretty succinct. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, um, one thing that I am looking forward to is just hearing stories from other women about the ways that they find freedom in their motherhood journey. I really would love to invite our listeners over to Instagram as well, just to share um, in our comment section or even DM us their their stories um, about being able to choose something in freedom, just the freedom to embrace where we are. And so 
please join us over on Instagram and share your stories with us. Um, I really love when we hear from listeners and people who read the blog because there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. And sometimes we're sharing content, sharing podcast episodes, we're on social media, but there are stretches of time that we don't always hear like this was meaningful or this was helpful or this was, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the feedback might be. Um, And we just really value it. It's something that we share together as a team and talk about and please give us your thoughts and we'd love to know what resonates with you. Yeah, I always love when people chime in on Instagram and in the Facebook group because I feel like I learn so much from our community as well. I think we've got a lot yeah. of really awesome, wise and kind women in our in our community of readers and listeners here. So I always really enjoy hearing their thoughts and their ideas too. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being here with me, Lindsay, and we'll um, catch you on a future episode. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Emily. I'm really excited to be joined today by Brittany Bergman, a writer and acquaintance that I met through one of our Kindred Mom team members. And Brittany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I would love to just have a little introduction to you and what you do, as well as a little bit about your family. Sure. Um, So my name, again, is Brittany Bergman. I live in the suburbs of Chicago. And both my husband and I are from this area. We have a daughter who is three and a little boy on the way at the end of April. And Mm -hmm. I work um, by day as a copy editor at Tyndale House Publishers. They're um, a Christian publisher kind of based in this Chicago area. And so I work on nonfiction books. And then when I'm on my game, I'm waking up early and writing my own work um, in the early Mm -hmm. morning and at lunch break and whatnot. And so I primarily write to encourage moms who see themselves as women first. Hmm. Well, that is really wonderful. And I am excited to have you here as we kick off a brand new year. Um, this is episode 51. So it feels kind of like a milestone, like stepping into a new season, so to speak, even though we don't specifically delineate between seasons on Kindred Mom. It is kind of just a personal change of the seasons. And um, one of the things that I find is very prevalent in conversations everywhere, in person, on social media, is just the idea of planning a productive year and looking ahead and making our goals and all of the things that kind of set the vision for the year. And so I'm just really grateful to have your perspective on this topic. Um, just would love to know how you approach a new year yourself. Do you have a process by which you go through any kind of goal setting or what does that look like for you? Yeah, I absolutely love this time of year. Um, I know a lot of people tend to think that January 1st is just sort of this arbitrary date, but I just love the reminder every year that I get a fresh start. Um, I often feel that way in the fall too, but especially in January, um, now that I'm not as tied Mm -hmm. to a school schedule. Um, And so last year I started using the Cultivate What Matters Power Sheets, and those were a big game changer Mm -hmm. for me. So right now I am working through the process of preparing for my second year of power sheets. Um, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with the planner, but it's it's more of a goal setting um, system than it is a planner, really. Mm-hmm. And 
there are about 50 or 60 pages of, of self-reflection and prep work and thinking about who I am and what motivates me and what areas of my life I really want to focus on in the coming year and lessons learned from the previous year. And so I find that it's a very centering way to not just think about my to-do list for the upcoming year, but actually think about qualitative goals that matter to me. Um, because it's so easy yeah. to let those intangible things slip through the cracks when they're not as easy to check the box on, oh, I'm connected to my mm-hmm. family. <laughs> and Yeah, I love that. And I'm not directly familiar with those power sheets. I've heard about them and, and have had brief conversations with different people. I am also in love with this time of year. I love making goals. I love making lists that I can check things off of because it's very gratifying to see progress to see growth when you're looking back and can say, you know, I I did this and I did that. And also I find that there have been seasons in the past where I've really struggled with times that I've not been able to do that as often or as much as I wanted to, partly because of the demands of motherhood and just what is needed in my home. And I'm just curious if you have had times when you have had to adjust your expectations or change maybe what it looks like now that you have stepped into a season of motherhood and have pursuits kind of concurrently with motherhood. Absolutely. Um, This year was very much a crash course in that. I mean, I feel like the newborn (laughs) days are sort of the obvious answer here. Um, But the more recent example is... So summer is one of my least favorite seasons, but I've been very I was very excited for this summer because my daughter was two and a half. She's now three. And she's just at such a fun age to like go to the pool and do the splash pad and introduce her to all these fun summertime activities. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting pregnant at the beginning of July and then miscarrying that baby at the end of July. And then within that same couple of weeks, our dog got cancer. And so that was just Mm. more of like a, she ended up being fine, but it was another thing Mm -hmm. taking up my emotional energy. And then a week after that, I had a very unexpected appendectomy and I was out of commission for many weeks recovering from abdominal surgery. And I just realized this is not at all the summer that I envisioned for us. I envisioned so many adventures and just fun times together. And I had to come face to face with my own very real limitations and realizing that me being the best mom actually involved really intensive self-care and letting my husband do a lot of the parenting and a lot of the things that I like to keep running smoothly in the house. And um, I had to say goodbye to a lot of the, yeah, the fun activities that I imagined for us. But I also found that I could find joy in much smaller moments, you know, like a little trip to the grocery store became an exciting event. And, you know, just like Mm -hmm. running to the corner to get donuts was something super special. And so I feel like it really helped me to redefine just what could be fun, especially through my daughter's eyes, because she was three, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everything is special at that age. Yeah. And our kids, I think their expectations are so different from ours, which is something that I wanted to bring up in this conversation is just 
expectations and how heavy they can be when we are thinking this is how this next season or this next week or this next hour Mm -hmm. (laughs) is going to be. And then when that is turned upside down or it doesn't go at all how we planned, that happens more often than I think we are ready for. And um, are there ways that you deal with, approach, or work through your own expectations and when they have to kind of be let go? Well, much like you were saying, I feel like what can help me is seeing our life through my daughter's eyes because this is only her (laughs) third year in the world. Yeah. And everything (laughs) is brand new to her. Like I have, I carry a a whole history of 31 years of, you know, remembering what my childhood was like and having imagined what I want my future to be. And she doesn't carry any of that baggage. Like everything is just new and exciting to her. And I'm also the only mom she's ever had. And so when I think about what her experience is like, it just, it's so freeing to me. Uh, I think that it is so wonderful to just see the simplicity of a child's heart and that their perspective is different than ours. And sometimes, you know, that's a little bit tricky because they have what they want and they can't really see why they can't have it at that moment. But other times it really is just simple joys in things that we might just fly right past because we're busy, we're doing something, we're trying to get something done. And I have myself for the last... I don't know, seven or eight years, just really been thinking deeply about the concept of simplicity and what that looks like in my own life, because I can overcomplicate lots of things, (laughs) everything, and just seeing the beauty in simple moments, like you said a few minutes ago. And I think with my personal challenges, I I have a really large family. I have my seventh baby on the way. And I think as our family has grown, you know, so have my longings and my ideas and my, I mean, it's kind of like the plate has gotten more and more full as the time has gone on because here's Uh another little person and here's another idea I'd love to pursue. And um, and productivity itself, just as an ideal, as a pursuit, is something that has been really tricky to navigate as I am trying to mother this large household and still tend to some of these desires and some of these ideas that I would love to pursue. And so I guess in this conversation, I want to acknowledge the moms who listen. There are some who are like so excited about January and probably have their goals mapped out or are thinking about them and it's an exciting time for them. And then there are some moms who are just feeling overwhelmed and like, oh, if I don't do this right, then my year's not going to count for anything or won't have anything to show for how these 12 months go when I get to December and I guess I just wanted to speak words of encouragement to both groups of moms that it's totally beautiful and wonderful that we should have these desires and dreams and pursuits that we are chasing after. And for the moms who are feeling more that overwhelm, it's also okay to just wait till February (laughs) to kind of get some of those things sorted out or to just take it in smaller bites in general and just say, I'm just going to make a goal for this week that is something that I'd like to 
accomplish or get done. And so those are just some of the things that have been coming to my mind as I've been thinking about this because I just think there can be a lot of pressure on January to deliver on productivity goals and stuff. Yes, especially because the week after Christmas is so challenging. I mean, the whole Christmas season is wonderful and beautiful, and it's also extremely busy and complicated and we're navigating maybe some family drama yeah. and trying to remember to buy and wrap all the gifts. And then suddenly it's the final week of December. And even as much as I love planning and goal setting and getting ready for the upcoming year, January 1st always sneaks up on mm-hmm. me. And I don't see how it would be po- like anything else would be possible because of the way December often mm-hmm. goes. And so last year I did, I eased into it and I said, January is going to be the kickoff of my long-term planning and thinking about what I want this year to Mm -hmm. be. And then I sort of made it my goal to have my my more concrete goals set up by February. But I don't even think, like you were saying, that's not even necessary. Um, I love, of course, the trend lately to have just a word or a phrase Mm -hmm. to guide our year. And I don't think you know, as moms, maybe we don't need anything more than that. Um, if, if you want to have more concrete goals, because that makes your heart sing, go for Mm -hmm. it. But if you just want to have a guiding idea for your year, um, I think anything that's going to orient your heart in the way that you want it to go over the coming year is beautiful. And sometimes that year unfolds remarkably different than we expected it to. And maybe those goals need to get checked anyway, or maybe like God has some surprises in how we're actually going to live out that word that we didn't see coming. And so I just love the beauty of being able to hold our visions loosely and flexibly which is not my strong suit. No one has ever called me flexible. But um, I feel like motherhood is teaching me that. I think flexibility is absolutely an essential part of motherhood. And I mean, that has implications in lots of areas. But in this particular conversation, I do feel like, I mean, I've gone from being like a super goal setter where I had like 101 goals for 1,001 days one time. (laughs) It was years ago, but it was like, really intense. (laughs) And now, I mean, I I still set some concrete goals, but I just feel like every single goal, I mean, it's not about measuring up to a goal. It's about those goals serving me and my needs as a mother and my desires as a creative person. And anytime those goals are not serving me, they can change. <laughs> and I know that kind of yeah. a little bit defeats the purpose of saying, I'm, do- I'm going this direction. I'm going to give it all I've got. Um, but I just do think that sometimes a goal will work for a season and then you just need a new goal. It needs to be updated. <laughs> and or mm-hmm. sometimes it just needs to be kicked out. I completely agree with that. I am curious what you have observed in the mom's in your sphere, the people that you know, the other women who are kind of in the maybe first five years or so of motherhood, because I just feel like my perspective is very different. I feel like an outlier with as many kids as I have. (laughs) So I'm kind of like trying to remember what it was like when I had one or two or three kids. And that was a while ago. (laughs) So um, I would just love to know what kinds of things you think a lot of moms are talking about and thinking about in this early stretch of the first five years with their kids? I just think that so much of this stretch is 
a huge adjustment period. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I came back to a lot, especially when my daughter was younger, and I think this is going to be important for me as I welcome baby two is I may be, you know, however old I'm 31 now, I think I was, I was about 28 when I had my daughter, but I am not a 28 year old mother. I am a brand new mother. And right now I'm a three-year-old mother. And so remembering that I'm new to this too, has been really helpful in weathering those adjustments that like, of course, I don't know how to do this. Of course, I don't know how to balance it all. Um, Of course, I'm still figuring this out. And it, it obviously still gets frustrating at times that, you know, it feels like there's just constantly something new and something new as I hit, you know, each new phase with my daughter, each new stage of development. And then I I actually am really looking forward to knowing what I'm doing a little bit more. I know every baby's different, but it's just such a feeling of relief going into this this next baby knowing like, okay, I have come to the other side of every phase in the last three years. Like everything, once you sort of have a set of proof points under your belt, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's also really helpful to look back on those and say, oh, this thing that I thought I was never going to figure out, I did. Like that baby, I thought I could never get to eat solid food, Mm -hmm. eats at the table with us or, um, you know, the sleep struggles, hopefully. (laughs) usually come to an end. And just remembering, even as I continue to meet new challenges, and I think in the first five years, especially like those new challenges just don't slow down. They just keep on coming. But even as we face brand new situations, I think we can rely on those previous proof points, even if they're totally different situations to say, I got through this one and I got through that one. And I came out on the other side of this one. And I know like we can have confidence that there's always another side of the mountain and eventually we're going to glimpse it. Yeah, no, I really love that. And you're kind of dancing around one of the ideas that we talk a lot about really on our Facebook group. We have this thing that we do every so often. It's not regular intervals, but we just talk about celebrating our small victories. And that to me is a really important part of motherhood because there are so many things that we do throughout a day that nobody sees, nobody cheers for you, nobody gives you a gold star and says, you did so great, or look at what you have accomplished or what challenges you've overcome. But you're so good at wiping those tiny noses. (laughs) I know. You were so gentle and patient through this, (laughs) you know, toddler tantrum. Um, I just think that any time that we do pause to really see those little victories, as small as they might feel, that they really aren't insignificant. I mean, somebody's got to do those jobs. And I just, I think that coming back to acknowledge what we have done in the course of a day, which may have been very mundane, maybe it doesn't look like, you know, something that you could put on a goal sheet even, that those are important. And you mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation with your power sheets and all of the prep work that goes into that, I think that figuring out what our priorities are at the center of what we're looking at for the next year, finding the priorities first kind of is like that illustration where somebody's trying to fit all these different things in a jar and you have to put the big things in first, you know, Mm -hmm. the 
core priorities, the things that you have identified are the most important to you before you can fit the other things in around them. And for me, that has been a challenge over the years because my priorities were not always super clear to even myself. Um, I mean, or I thought one thing was my priority and then had to shift along the way because I realized, you know, it actually is more important for me to do this first. And so just celebrating those little victories and figuring out our priorities are two things that I think are an important part of looking into the new year and um, what that's going to like for each of us. Yeah. And actually, I'm not even a little bit surprised at myself, but I did end up finding a way to get it on my, like those little moments onto my goal sheets. And I, I do, I feel like it's a way for me to remember how important those things are. So one thing that has been showing up on my um, daily habit tracker consistently every month. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I do think it has become an ingrained habit, but I still love checking the box is um, I have a daily goal of connected caregiving with my daughter. And so between like coming home from work and trying to get dinner on the table and, you know, the nighttime routine, sometimes there's not always time to like sit and play for 20 or 30 minutes. But What I always have with her is connected moments of caregiving. And it can be so tempting to, you know, rush through those like brushing the teeth and doing the pajamas and wiping the noses and the the bathroom breaks and all that. But something that has really grounded me this year, and I think I I may have, I don't remember who I heard this from, maybe Janet Lansbury, I don't know, some some parenting Mm -hmm. podcaster was talking about how important those caregiving moments are and how we can use those as moments of fun and joy and connection. And as someone who just loves to hurry to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, like, let's get to where we're going. It has really slowed me down to say like, oh, these every little one of those moments, I am making my daughter feel loved and cared for. And it has helped me to be present in those moments and feel like, okay, even if I didn't get 30 minutes of playtime with her today, like I connected with her today because of the way I made eye contact while we were brushing teeth and the way I sang that silly song at that mm-hmm. time. And that has yeah. been so helpful to me. That's really wonderful. And I have noticed that those little moments go a long way with my kids too. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like be super engaged with our kids and everything has to be fun and everything has to be you know, just so. And I think so often they really just want a little reassurance that we're still in their corner and that we're there to love and care for them. And so I love, I love those examples that are very practical everyday things. Yeah. I say all the time, I'm not a fun mom, (laughs) but I know that my daughter feels so deeply cared for. Yeah. I'm not a fun mom either. So (laughs) I'm like, you go play with your siblings. I've given you enough of them that you guys can, I don't need to be involved. (laughs) No, that's really lame, but it's pretty true. Like even one one of our goals for this year is to have a family game night. It'll be games and or watching movies, but more games right now. And so a lot of our Christmas gifts kind of surrounded new games to stock our game closet because we really haven't bought new games for a number of years. And with as many toddlers as we've had in the house, the games have been destroyed, (laughs) most of them, except for the very few that were like, nobody can touch this game. (laughs) And so um, just 
as we look ahead to what a family game night looks like, I mean, this is a serious goal for me because I don't even really like playing games with my kids, if I'm <laughs> honest, because it's just so it's so tedious to like teach every rule and don't touch this and don't dump the box over. And, you know, because we have a span of ages, but I am seeing how especially my older kids that are kind of in that zone where games are everything that it's going to be such a life-giving time to do that every week that they know it's coming that you know I probably will have fun once I just put myself into it (laughs) but um yeah I love that you said I'm not a fun mom because I relate to that (laughs) well I would love to just give you an opportunity to share about any of your personal projects or where people can find you online if they want to follow up and become a little bit more acquainted with you sure so um I am on Instagram primarily at Brittany L. Bergman. And I'm on Facebook at the, you know, at the same place, Brittany L. Bergman. Um, But Instagram is usually my social media of choice, though I have decided to kick off January with a little bit of a social media fast. I started January that way last year, Mm -hmm. um, and it was really good for me. So about two weeks of, of quiet, I think, usually hits the spot. And I blog at the same place, BrittanyLBergman.com. Right now, I am working on some longer-term writing projects um, centered around pregnancy and becoming a mom for the first time. So I'm excited to share more about that soon. I just appreciate you just being a part of this conversation. Um, Is there anything that you would want to share with moms who are looking at January and feeling the pinch of the longings that they have to do creative work or to pursue success in whatever way that looks like in their lives and the tension of just the draw of what our children need from us. Yeah, there it is. It's such a tension. And I feel like I have been pulled to one side of the tension and the other in the last few years. Like on the one hand, I very much subscribe to the belief that we can do big creative things. Like we can chase our dreams even when our kids are little. I don't think there's anything necessarily magic except maybe the time that opens up when our kids are a little bit older. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it can be really tempting to have or take the mentality, I guess, a little bit too far that our kids are only young for so long. And that's true. They are. But that doesn't mean that we don't get to do, like we don't get to chase our own dreams in that time. And on the other hand, there's some really real challenges and limitations to this season of parenting young people. And sometimes that means I just don't have, like we don't have the physical or mental or emotional energy to do the things that are um, turning in our heads. And so I just don't think that we can say one way or the other, like the season of young parenting is only, you know, we should always be putting things on hold or we should always be going after it. But just continuing to be sensitive to the leading of God, you know, the intuition he's given us, the changing needs of our families, and just being mm-hmm. able to to make those really wise and discerning choices moment by moment. It's, it's never something that's, it's usually never easy or clear, but um, I think the more we learn to listen to the rhythms of our own life, the more we can, we can make those decisions about sort of which side of the tug of war needs to win at this moment. 
No, I think those are really great words and very encouraging. I think the only thing I wanted to add is that I have been through many seasons of motherhood at this point. My daughter will be 13 this summer and I have a baby coming in April. And so I have seen kind of the coming and going of several rounds of dreaming and scheming Mm -hmm. and ideas. And I think earlier on, I was really afraid that if I let something go, I would never ever see it again. (laughs) Like I would never be able to like if I had a photography business for a little over a decade that brought me a lot of joy. It was very fulfilling. I loved creating images. I learned so much while I did it and was kind of like this thing that just really made me feel alive. (laughs) And it was very separate and different from my daily tasks as a mom. And there came a time when I needed to close my business and move into a new season. It was after my fifth baby. I was just getting to be too logistically hard to find care for the kids when I needed to be in an event or to wear all the hats of a small business owner at that time and not be ignoring my kids (laughs) half a day while I was trying to do all those things because I have not put my kids in school and I haven't outsourced any kind of child care. So I really was trying to do it all. And what I found is when I finally realized, okay, we're kind of out of the season of this working for us. And I let that go. I closed the business that I loved. And I have discovered in its place new passions and new things that bring me every bit as much life as that did that are completely different have surprised me. I mean, that's why Kindred Mom is a thing. That's why I podcast. That's why I'm writing more now than I was at that season of my life. And I guess my my little offering to moms who are afraid to um, either go for it where you are in your life right now, whatever you're dreaming of for this year, um, or the ones who are afraid to let go of something that maybe isn't fitting anymore, that things do come back around. And I just think holding it in a tight fist isn't always the most fruitful way forward. (laughs) And I I mean, I I fought that one for several years of like kind of knowing that it wasn't really fitting our family anymore, but just feeling like, oh, if if I close this, if I let it go, there will be nothing fun in my life, <laughs> you know, which is dramatic and not true. But um, I just feel like it's everything has a season and it's good to just welcome what is fitting right yeah, here and right that's now. That's beautiful. So. That's so beautiful. And it reminds me of just what we were saying about proof points and remembering that even, you know, the next time that it comes it becomes the right time to set something aside. Like you have this record to look back on and say, oh, I I set this aside, but look what came into my life instead. And when it's time to set this next thing aside, the kind of anticipation that you can look forward with is just so exciting. Well, and that's really very applicable to this year. I had all kinds of plans for this year that are pretty much on hold because a baby is coming. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so we've got the birth and then we've got the transition after and kind of, you know, the ups and downs of the first year. So, 
you know, in one sense, it was a little bit like, oh, I have to wait even longer for these things that I want to pursue. But at the same time, I just feel like there's kind of a grace in having a little bit more time to percolate on those and there will be a season to pick it up again. And so anyway, thank you so much for being here, Brittany. I really appreciate you sharing and hope that we get to connect more over social media. Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this series and part of this conversation. It was such a joy to talk to you today. You bet. Have a great night.